0: I pray for
1: Allah,
0: no one except Allah, and Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim لله Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman rahim malik yawm Ahead in المستقيم، Siraat al-Mustakheen, عليهم al المغضوب عليهم، غير alaykum,
1: After
2: reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V, Allah Ta'ala, aziz stated, And in the previous sermon, I was narrating the accounts of Hazrat, <coughs> Hazrat <coughs> Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu and I will continue to do so today. With regards to the bond of brotherhood, Ayy Muakhad, that was formed with Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, it is mentioned in the narrations that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him declared Hazrat Ali to be his brother on two occasions. On one occasion, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, formed bonds of brotherhood between the Muhajireen in Makkah and later the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, formed bonds of brotherhood between the Muhajireen and the Ansar after having migrated to Medina. And on both occasions, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said to Hazrat Ali, Anta akhi dunya wal that you are my brother in this world as well as in the hereafter. According to another narration, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, formed a bond of brotherhood between Hazrat Ali bin Abi Talib and Hazrat Sal bin Hunay. In relation to when this bond of brotherhood was formed, we find in historical references that this bond was formed on two occasions. A commentator of Sahih Bukhari Alamma Castellani states that the bond of brotherhood was formed on two occasions. Firstly, in Mecca prior to the migration, where the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, formed bonds of brotherhood between Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar, and between Hazrat Usman and Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf, and between Hazrat Zubair and Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud, and between Hazrat Ali and himself. Following this, and after having migrated to Medina, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, form bonds of brotherhood between the Muhajireen and the Ansar at the house of Hazrat Anas bin Malik. Ibn Esad relates that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, form bonds of brotherhood between a hundred companions, that is between fifty Muhajireen and fifty Ansar. With the exception of the Battle of Tabbouq, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu participated alongside the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in all battles, including the Battle of Badr. On the occasion of the Battle of Tabuk, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had instructed him to take care of his family.
1: Hazrat Salba bin Abi Malik relates
2: that on every occasion Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu would hold the flag on behalf of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. However, whenever the battle would commence Hazrat Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu would take hold of the flag. The Ghazwa of Ushera, uh, the expedition of Ushera, took place in Jamadi ul Ula. In the second year after Hijrah. Other than the Battle of Ushera, this battle has been mentioned as Ghazwa Zul Ushera, Zatul Ushera, and Usaira in the books of history. Ushera is the name of a fortress situated in the Hijaz between Yambo and Zul Marwa. Hazrat Mizza Bashira Matsahib has presented the details of this as follows. He writes After this, in Jama'di ul Ula, in Second Hijri, upon receiving news of the Quraysh of Makkah once again, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, set out from Medina with the company of the Muhajireen. And the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, appointed his foster brother Abu Salma bin Abdul Asad as the Amir in his absence. In this Ghazwa, a expedition, after making numerous rounds, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, finally reached Ushera, which was situated close to the coast and the region of Yambu. And although a battle with the Quraysh did not take place, but nevertheless, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, settled a treaty with the Banu Mudlij on terms as were agreed upon with the Banu Dhamra, and subsequently returned. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu took part in this expedition regarding which it is narrated in Musnad Ahmed bin Hanbal and Hazrat Ammar bin Yasir radiallahu ta'ala anhu relates that Hazrat Ali and I were together in the journey during the expedition of Zatul Ushera. When the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him reached there and settled, we saw the people of Banu Mudlish who were working in one of the springs of their date orchard. Upon this, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala asked me, that O oh Abu Yaqzan, what do you think? Shall we go closer and see what they are doing? And so, both of us went towards them and watched them work for some time. Thereafter we began to feel tired and Hazrat Ali and I left from there and rested on the ground between two date palms and fell asleep. He states that by God it was the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him who woke us up and he prodded us with his foot to wake us up as we were covered in dust from the ground beneath us. On that day upon seeing the dust on Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu's body the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him said O Abu Turab by the father of dust or soil. And then he said, Shall I not tell you about the two of the most wretched men? In the previous sermon I spoke about the title of Abu Turab. that once the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, saw Hazrat Ali sleeping in the mosque and he was covered in dust. And so he said, O Abu Turab," And he called him Abu Turab, and from then on he was also known by this title. It is also possible that he was given this title during that incident or called him this during a later incident, or he may have called him by this title on both instances. But in any case, it seems that this particular incident took place first.
1: In any case, continuing
2: with the narration, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him stated, that shall I inform you regarding two of the most wretched men we submitted, Yes, O Messenger of Allah. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that the first was a man named Uhamir from the people of Samud who cut the legs of the camel of Salih and the second person, Awali, is he who shall strike your head after which your beard will trip with blood.
1: The expedition
2: of Safwan Badratul Ula took place near the end of Jamaadiul Akhir in 2nd Hijri. In relation to this, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib has expounded upon this in the following words. He writes that ten days had not passed since the return of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to Medina, when a chieftain of Makkah named Qurz bin Jabir Fahri, very cunningly along with the company of the Quraysh, suddenly raided a pasture of Medina, which was situated only three miles from the city, and fled with camels, etc., belonging to the Muslims. As soon as the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, received news of this, he appointed Zayd bin Hazr as the emir in his absence and set out in his pursuit along with a group of the Muhajireen. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, pursued him until he reached Safwan, which is an area close to Badr, but he managed to escape. This Ghazwa is also known as Ghazwa Badratul Ula. On the occasion of this expedition, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him gave Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhu a white flag. The Battle of Badr took place in 2nd Hijri, or March 623 AD. And with regards to Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhu's participation in this battle, it is recorded in the traditions that the Holy Prophet peace be upon him sent Hazrat Ali, Hazrat Zubair, Hazrat sa'd bin Abi Waqqas and Hazrat Busbus bin Amr ta'ala anhum, to the spring of Badr to find out information regarding the idolaters. They saw the Quraysh giving their animals water and they captured this group of idolaters and brought them to the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. During the battle of Badr when the two armies came face to face, first the two sons of Rabia, Sheba and Utbah along with Walid bin Utbah stepped forward and declared a challenge to the Muslims for a duel. Responding to their challenge, three Ansar companions from the Banu Haris tribe, Muaz, Muavvis and Of, who were the sons of Afra, stepped forward to battle with them. However, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him did not like for the Ansar to be involved in the initial combat between the idolaters and Muslims. Instead, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him desired That this glory should be manifested by the progeny of his uncle and by his people. Thus, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, commanded the Ansar to return to their ranks and commended them for this act. The idolaters then stated, O Muhammad, send forth those individuals from our people who can compete with us. Thus, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him stated, O Banu Hashim, go forth and fight for the truth, the truth with which Allah has sent your Prophet with, for these people have come with their falsehood in order to try and extinguish the light of Allah.
1: Subsequently,
2: Hazrat Hamza bin Abdul Mutlib radiallahu ta'ala anhu Hazrat Ali bin Abi Talib radiyallahu ta'ala anhu and Hazrat Ubaidah bin Haris radiallahu ta'ala anhu went forth against them. Uthba told them to say something so that they may recognize them as they were wearing armor due to which their faces were hidden. Hazrat Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu stated that I am Hamza bin Abdul Mutlib. I am the Lion of Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Upon this Utbah said that he was a worthy opponent and that he himself was the Lion of the tribes. When he inquired regarding the other two, Hazrat Hamza then said that they were Ali bin Abi Talib and Ubaidah bin Haris. Utbah said that they too were worthy opponents. After this Utbah said to his son, O Walid go forth. Hazrat Ali r.a went up against to fight him and both began wielding their swords and Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala killed him. Then Utbah went forth and Hazrat Hamza radiallahu ta'ala stood to fight him. Again both began wielding their swords and Hazrat Hamza radiallahu ta'ala killed him. After this, Sheba stood and Hazrat Ubaidah bin Haris radiallahu ta'ala went forth to fight him. It is said that on that day, Hazrat Ubaidah radiallahu ta'ala anhu was the eldest amongst all the companions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Sheba struck Hazrat Ubaidah radiallahu ta'ala anhu's leg with his sword and wounded his calf. Hazrat Hamza and Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhuma attacked Sherba and killed him. The same narration was mentioned two years ago part of which I will mention again. The same incident is recorded in this particular narration in which Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that Utbah bin Rabia along with his son and his brother stepped forward and declared who will come forth and challenge us. Upon this a few youngsters from the Ansar responded. Utbah asked who they were and they responded saying that they were from among the Ansar. Utbah replied that we have nothing to do with you we only wish to fight the sons of our uncle." The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then stated, O Hamza, stand up. O Ali, get up. O Ubaida bin Haris, go forth. Hazrat Hamza radiallahu set off towards Utbah and Hazrat Ali says that he went towards Sheva while Ubada clashed with Walid. Both severely injured one another, after which both Hazat Hamza and Hazrat Ali went towards Walid and killed him and took Ubaida away from the battlefield. With regards to the Battle of Badr, Hazrat Ali taala anhu states that the disbelievers heavily outnumbered the Muslims and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, spent the entire night fervently praying to God. When the army of disbelievers came near and we formed our ranks, my sights fell on a person who was riding a red camel which was walking through the crowds of people. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, O Ali, call unto Hamza who is standing near the disbelievers and ask him who is riding the red camel and what is he saying? The Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him then stated that if there is anyone from among the disbelievers who can give them good and beneficial advice it is this person who is riding the red camel. In the meantime, Hazrat Hamza radiallahu ta'ala who came and informed the Holy Prophet peace be upon him that it was Udba bin Rabia who was advising the disbelievers against fighting. However, Abu Jahl responded to him and said that he was a coward and was afraid of fighting. This incited Atba's pride and he said that we will see who is a coward today. And so he took part in the battle. Hazrat Ali ta'ala anhu narrates that on the occasion of the Battle of Badr, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him said to both him and Hazrat Abu Bakr radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, that on the right side of one of you is Jibrail and on the right side of the other is Mika'il and Israfil is a great angel who is present during times of war and stands amongst the ranks With regards to the battle of Badr Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad sahib ta'ala anhu writes that Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala relates that during the course of the battle, whenever the Holy Prophet peace be upon him would come to mind, he would run towards his tent. But whenever he went there, he found the Holy Prophet weeping in prostration. He also heard the Holy Prophet peace be upon him constantly repeat the words, Ya Hayyya Ya Qayyum, Ya Ya O my ever-living God, O my life-giving Master. Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala was greatly disturbed by the state of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and at times would spontaneously say, O Messenger of Allah may my mother and father be sacrificed for you. Do not worry, Allah shall definitely fulfill his promises. However, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, remained constantly engaged in his supplications, out of fear that sometimes promises of Allah the Almighty are conditional. The marriage between Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Fatima took place in second hijri. Hazrat Ali requested the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him for her hand in marriage, to which he happily agreed. Hazrat Anas narrates that both Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar r.a had asked for Hazrat Fatima's hand in marriage, but the Holy Prophet peace be upon him remained silent on the matter and did not give them an answer. Hazrat, Hazrat, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that I went to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and requested if he would give Hazrat Fatima's hand in marriage to me. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, asked, that "Do you have anything to give for the Hukmeh?" I replied that I have a horse and chain mill. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said, "That you will require your horse, but you can sell your chain mill." And so I sold my chain mill for four hundred and eighty dirhams to arrange for my Hukmeh. People often think that they can set the hakmah as they please and will worry about paying it later. Whereas the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has ordered to make provisions for the hakmah. This means that this is a right of the wife and should be given immediately. Some people write to me saying that their wife has made a demand asking for a hakmah even though they were living happily together. If they make this request, then this is their right and it should be given to them immediately. And failing to do so can then lead to quarrels. And also some people claim that this i.e. the Hakmer is something that should be settled during divorce settlements, whereas this has nothing to do with the divorce. In any case, there is a narration which states that Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu sold his chain mill to Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Usman gave the money for the chain mill and then gave the chain mill back to Hazrat Ali. Hazrat Ali states that I took the amount of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and presented it to him. The Holy Prophet took a handful of the money and gave it to Bilal and said that buy some fragrance with it. And he then instructed others to prepare the dowry for Hazrat Fatima. Hence they prepared a chaat a leather pillow which was filled with sheets of the date palm, and all of this was prepared for her wedding. In one narration it is stated that when the marriage of Hazrat Fatima was settled with Hazrat Ali, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him said, My Lord has already commanded me to do this, i.e. regarding the marriage. Once the marriage had taken place, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him stated to Hazrat Ali, that when Fatima arrives, do not say anything to her until I do not come. Hazrat Fatima came with Hazrat Umm and sat to one side of the house. Hazrat Ali says that he also sat to one side. After this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, arrived and asked, Where is my brother? Hazrat, Hazrat Umm asked, Your brother? And you gave your daughter in marriage to him? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied, Yes. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then entered and asked Hazrat Fatima to bring him water. This was a relation in which marriage is permissible because Hazrat Ali, radiallahu ta'ala was not the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him,'s actual brother. Hazrat Fatima stood up and brought a bowl of water that was in the house. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him then rinsed his mouth with the water and said to Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'alaan to come forward. She moved forward and the Holy Prophet peace be upon him then sprinkled some water over her head and recited the following prayer that O Allah I seek your refuge for her and her progeny from Satan the accursed. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him then asked her to turn around and when she turned around the Holy Prophet peace be upon him then sprinkled water between her shoulders and then did the same to Hazrat Ali. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him then said to Hazrat Ali, now go to your wife with the name of Allah and his blessings. In another narration, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala stated that the Holy Prophet peace be upon him performed ablution in a bowl and then sprinkled the water on Hazrat Fatima and Hazrat Ali and then offered the following prayer, that O oh Allah, bestow blessings on both of them and bless this union. Hazrat Aisha and Hazrat Ulme Salma عنهم, ريد, that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, instructed us to prepare Hazrat Fatima for her wedding and also for us to take her to Hazrat Ali. Thus, we turned our attention to the arrangements of the house. We coated the walls with soft mud from the outskirts of Batha and then filled two pillows with date palm sheaths, carding it with our hands. We then placed dates and raisins to eat as well as sweet water to drink. We took a stick and fixed it to one side of the room so that clothes could be hung from it as well as the water skin. They further relate that we did not witness a better wedding than Hazrat ta'ala anha's. The Walima consisted of dates, barley, cheese and has and hares is made from dates, clarified butter and cheese, etc.
1: Hazrat Asma
2: bint Umais narrates that at that time we did not witness a better wedding than this one. With regards to the marriage of Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha and Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anha, a detailed account has been mentioned in Sirat Khatim al nabiin as follows. Hazrat Fatima was the youngest child of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, from among the children he was blessed with, from Hazrat Khatija. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, held Hazrat Fatima most dear to himself, and on account of her personal merit, she was undoubtedly most worthy of this distinct love. Now, her age had more or less reached fifteen, and she had begun to receive proposals of marriage. It was Hazrat Abu Bakr, who was the very first to make a request for Hazrat Fatima, but the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, apologized. Then Hazrat Umar made a proposal, but his request was not accepted either. After this, upon judging that the intention of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, seemed to be with respect to Hazrat Ali, ta'ala anhu, both these honorable men approached Hazrat Ali and encouraged him to make a proposal with regards to Hazrat Fatima. Hazrat Ali, who was perhaps already desirous, who was silent out of modesty, immediately presented himself before the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and submitted a proposal. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him had already received an indication by way of divine revelation that the marriage of Hazrat Fatima should take place with Hazrat Ali. Hence, when Hazrat Ali presented a request, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him stated that I have already received a divine indication in this respect. Then the Holy Prophet peace be upon him sought the consent of Hazrat Fatima who remained silent out of modesty. In a way this was also an expression of acceptance. Therefore the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, gathered a community of the Muhajireen and the Ansar and formally announced the marriage of Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Fatima Radiyallahu anhu. This event took place in the beginning or middle of 2nd Hijri. Afterwards, when the Battle of Badr had taken place, it was proposed that the Ruhstanna be held in the month of Zul 2nd Hijri. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, called upon Hazrat Ali, and inquired of him as to whether he had anything to pay the mehr. The incident regarding the orchard, which was mentioned last time, was before the marriage took place. Therefore, I had correctly narrated it. In any case, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, called upon Hazrat Ali and inquired of him as to whether he had anything to pay the Mehr. Hazrat Ali, anhu, submitted that, O oh, Messenger of Allah, sallallahu wasallam, I have nothing. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, asked, "What about the chainmail I gave to you on that day? Are you from the spoils of battle?" Hazrat Ali responded, "That I do have." The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said, "That shall suffice. Bring it." Hence, this chainmail was sold for four hundred and eighty dirhams, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, arranged for the expenses of the wedding from this very amount. The dowry which the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, gave to Hazrat Fatima consisted of an embroidered shawl a cushion made of hide which had been filled with dry date palm leaves and a water skin. It is also related in one narration that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, also gave Hazrat Fatima a handmill as part of her dowry. When these items had been arranged for, there was a need to obtain a home. Until now Hazrat Ali perhaps lived with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in an apartment built next to the mosque. However, a separate abode was now required, where husband and wife could reside after marriage. Therefore, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed Hazrat Ali to find a place where both of them could reside. Hazrat Ali temporarily arranged for a home and the Rukhstanna of Hazrat Fatima took place. On the very same day, after the Rukhstanna, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, visited their new home and called for some water to be brought to him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, prayed on it and then sprinkled it on both Hazrat Fatima and Hazrat Ali whilst repeating the following words, that, O oh Allah, bless the mutual relations of both of them and bless those relations of both which are built with others and bless their progeny. After this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, left the newly wedded couple alone and returned. Afterwards, one day when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, came to visit Hazrat Fatima, she submitted to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that Harsa bin Noman Ansari was in possession of a few homes and asked if the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would request him to vacate one of them. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that he has already vacated so many homes for our sake. Now I feel embarrassed in requesting more of him. In some way or another, when Harsah happened to find out about this, he came running to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and submitted, O Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Everything I own belongs to you, my master. By God, whatever you accept of me causes me greater joy than that which remains with me. Then this faithful companion insisted and vacated one of his homes and presented it to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. After this, Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Fatima moved to this home. Despite their impoverished and straitened circumstances, Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Fatima were examples of devotion and piety. In the hadith, we find a narration in which Hazrat Ali states that Hazrat Fatima complained of pain in her hands due to using the handmill. During this time, a few prisoners were brought to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Hazrat Fatima went to visit the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, but she did not find him at home. Hazrat Fatima met Hazrat Aisha and informed her of the reason why she came. Later, when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, returned, Hazrat Aisha informed him why Hazrat Fatima had visited. Hazrat Ali further narrates, that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, visited us when we had just retired to our beds. We were about to stand up for him, but the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated, that remain as you are. He then sat with us in a way that I felt the coolness from his feet near my chest. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then stated, but shall I not inform both of you about that which is better than what you came to ask for earlier? That is, when you both lie down to sleep, recite, Allahu Akbar, ayy Allah is the greatest 34 times, Subhanallah, ayy Glory to Allah 33 times, and Alhamdulillah, I All praise is due to Allah 33 times. This will be better for both of you than requesting for a worker for the house. Hazrat Abu Huraira narrates, That Hazrat Fatima went to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in order to request for a worker for the home, and expressed difficulty in the housework. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him stated, that you will not find such a worker with me, meaning that she will not be given a worker, as the Holy Prophet peace be upon him did not wish to give her one. Even though she was entitled to one, as Ali radiallahu ta'ala who also had a share in the spoils of war. However, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him did not give her one, and instead the Holy Prophet peace be upon him stated, shall I not tell you about something which will be better for you than obtaining a worker? Before going to sleep, you should recite SubhanAllah 33 times, Alhamdulillah 33 times, and Allahu Akbar 34 times. This is a narration of Sahih Muslim. In his biography of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, Hazrat Muslim mentions this incident using the reference mentioned in Sahih Bukhari. He writes, Hazrat Fatima complained to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that using the handbill caused her pain. During this time, some captives were brought to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Fatima went to visit the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, but did not find him at home. She then informed Hazrat Aisha as to the reason why she came and then returned home. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, returned home, Hazrat Aisha informed him about the reasons for Hazrat Fatima visiting earlier. Hazrat Fatima states that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, came to visit us when we had retired to bed. Upon seeing him, I attempted to get up. But the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated for us to remain laying down. He sat down with us in a way that I felt the breeze from his footsteps near my chest. When he sat down, he said, Shall I not inform you of something which is better than that which you inquired about? That is, before you go to sleep, recite Allahu Akbar 34 times, Subhanallah 33 times, and Alhamdulillah 33 times. This will be far greater for you than a worker.
3: Hazrat Muslim
2: <inaudible> <Hazrat inaudible> Allah further writes, From this incident it demonstrates just how particular the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was in regards to the distribution of wealth. Despite the fact that Hazrat Fatima was in need of a worker owing to pain in her hands from the grinding stones, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, did not give her one and instead diverted her attention towards God Almighty by urging her to pray. If the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, wished to, he could have given her a worker because the wealth that would come to the Holy Prophet peace be upon him was for the distribution amongst the companions and Hazat Ali had a right from that share, as did Hazat Fatima. However, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him erred on the side of caution and did not wish to bestow anything from that to any of his close relations. The reason for this was that perhaps the people that came later would have drawn their own conclusions from this incident and kings would deem that they have a right over the wealth that belonged to the people. Therefore, remaining cautious of this, the Holy Prophet (peace be upon him) did not bestow Hazrat Fatima anyone from among the captives that were brought to him. It should be remembered here that God Almighty had already stipulated a portion from the wealth for the Holy Prophet (peace be upon him) and his relatives. He would spend from among this and also grant to his family members. However, until his portion was not granted to him, he would never spend from it, nor would he give it to his relatives. Thus. Can the world present the example of any king who was so cautious and careful with spending from the treasury? If such an example exists, then it is only from among the servants of this pure individual. Otherwise, no other religion can present such an example. Hazrat Ali bin Abi Talib ta'ala relates that the Holy Prophet peace be upon him one night visited me and his daughter Hazrat Fatima and inquired, do you both not pray? Hazrat Ali radiyallahu submitted O Messenger of Allah وسلم, our lives are in the hands of God, thus He causes us to awaken from our sleep whenever He wills. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him did not say anything in reply and returned. In other words, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him inquired whether or not they offered the tahajjud prayer by the pre-dawn voluntary prayer. Upon this Hazrat Ali replied that if they did not wake up at the time of the hajjud, and that was owing to the will of Allah and whenever Allah willed for them to wake up at that time, then they would offer the Tahajjud prayer. Hazrat, Hazrat Ali relates that when the Holy Prophet was returning from there, he heard him say whilst tapping his hand upon his thigh, Insanu jadal. That is, but of all things man is most contentious. Hazrat Muslim <inaudible> <inaudible> whilst narrating this incident states, one night, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, visited the house of his son-in-law, Hazrat Ali, and his daughter, Hazrat Fatima, and inquired that Do you offer the Tahajjad prayer. In other words, the prayer which is offered after waking up in the middle of the night. Hazrat Ali submitted, O Messenger of Allah, we try to offer it, but at times, owing to the will of Allah, we remain asleep and miss the Tahajit prayer. The Holy Prophet stated, you should offer the Tahajit prayer, and then left to return home and whilst walking back he kept repeating وَكَانَ الْإِنسَانُ أَكْثَرَ شَيْءٍ جَدَلَ This is a verse of the Holy Quran which means that most often one is reluctant to admit and acknowledge his error and offers all kinds of justifications in order to conceal his faults. In other words, Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Fatima should have said that sometimes they commit the mistake and oversleep instead of saying that it is owing to the will of God Almighty that they remain asleep. Why do they attribute their error to Allah the Almighty? Further explaining this incident, Hazrat Muslim Maud radiallahu ta'ala anhu states that Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates an incident when on one occasion he responded to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him in a manner which had a slight tone of contentiousness. But instead of expressing any displeasure, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him gave such a beautiful response which perhaps Hazrat Ali رضي الله تعالى عنه continued to enjoy its sweet delight for the rest of his life and indeed the pleasure he derived from this was his right alone. But even now when one carefully ponders over this expression of displeasure of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, they are left astounded. Hazrat muslim further writes there is a tradition from Bukhari in which Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that one night the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him visited me and Fatima zahra the daughter of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him inquired whether we offered the tahajjud prayer. To this I replied, O Messenger of Allah sallallahu our lives are in the hands of Allah and whenever He wills, He causes us to wake up. Upon hearing this, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu returned home and did not say anything to me. However, when he stood up and his back was towards me, I heard him say whilst he was tapping his hand on his thigh, but of all things man is most contentious. By Allah, look how beautifully the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him explained to Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that he should not have responded in the manner he did. Had it been anyone else, firstly they would have responded back by saying that considering his position and rank, he had no right to give a response like that. Or at the very least, he would have argued that what he had said was incorrect, that is that a person has no choice and that all of one's actions are controlled by Allah the Almighty, and he does so as he wills, including whether one offers their prayers or not. He would have argued that such a concept of compulsion was against the Holy Quran. However, The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, did not respond in either manner, nor did he become angry or argue with Hazrat Ali in order to highlight his error. In fact, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, turned to one side and expressed his astonishment at the fact that how one is always able to find a justification and becomes contentious.
3: The reality of the matter is that this
2: one statement of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was filled with countless lessons, and had it been anyone else, they would not have been able to convey a fraction of it even if they had argued a hundred times. From this hadith we can derive many lessons which shed light on the various aspects of the morals of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and it will be appropriate to mention them here. As Muslim Muslim radiAllahu ta'ala further states Firstly, it reveals just how much concern the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had for the adherence to one's religion and faith that he would personally visit the homes of his close relatives in the night and look after their needs in this regard. There are many people who although are virtuous themselves and also counsel others to do the same, but the condition of their own home is not in order. They do not have the potential to even reform the people within their own household and the famous proverbial expression that just below the lantern lies the darkness applies to these very people. In other words, their example can be likened to a lantern which grants light to its surroundings, but right beneath it there remains darkness. Such people counsel others but have no concern for their own home as to whether the people of their own household are deriving any benefit from their light. However, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him wished the members of his household to also partake of the spiritual light which he wanted to illuminate the world with. For this, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him would constantly counsel them and regularly inquire from them and assess their condition. The moral training of one's own household members is such a moral excellence that if the Holy Prophet peace be upon him did not possess this then this invaluable trait would have been devoid from his moral qualities The second aspect which is evident from this hadith is the absolute conviction the Holy Prophet peace be upon him had in this teaching which he presented before the world Not even for a single moment did the Holy Prophet peace be upon him ever entertain a doubt regarding this teaching People level the allegation that God forbid The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, did not receive any divine revelation and only did all of this in order to mislead the people and thereby establish his own rule. However, this was certainly not the case. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had such conviction in his prophethood and having been commissioned by God that one cannot find any such example in the world. It is possible that one can put on an act before people in order to prove their truthfulness. However, it is not possible that one would go in the late hours of the night to the house of their own daughter and son-in-law and inquire whether they offered the prayer which one offers by waking up in the middle of the night and which is not even obligatory but rather has been left for the believers to decide for themselves based on their circumstances whether they offer it or not. Thus for the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him to visit the house of his daughter and son-in-law at such a time and, and to encourage them to offer the Tahajd prayer proves the absolute conviction he had in this teaching which he wanted others to adhere to as well. Otherwise, in the case of a liar, he knows that someone may or may not follow his teaching but he would never discreetly visit the home of his children and advise them to adhere to this teaching. In other words, Whether one follows such a teaching is a different matter but he would never advise his own children at such a time when no one else is around to see. This could only be possible when a person's heart is filled with absolute conviction and without following this teaching one cannot attain any excellence. In other words, whether one follows a teaching or not is a different matter. However. To advise someone about this in the night and away from the sight of others can only happen if one has complete conviction that without this teaching one cannot attain the excellence of that faith or the excellences that are derived from that teaching. The third aspect which is evident from this hadith is the very reason why I narrated this incident in that it shows that how the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him would show great patience whilst explaining matters to others and instead of arguing, he would make them realize their mistake with love and affection. In this particular incident, Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala responded to the Holy Prophet peace be upon him's question by saying that once they have fallen asleep, they have no control over themselves in order to wake up. A person who is asleep has no control over himself. Therefore, once he has fallen asleep, he no longer has any knowledge that a certain time has come and he must now do such and such thing. And so if Allah causes them to wake up, then they offer the prayer because they have no other choice, as there were no alarm clocks at the time. But undoubtedly the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him was surprised to hear this response, because the level of faith that was instilled in the heart of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him was such that it would never allow such a thing to happen, whereby the time for the hajjat would pass by and the Holy Prophet peace be upon him remained unaware of it. Therefore, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, simply turned the other way and said that man never acknowledges his mistakes, but becomes contentious. In other words, in future they should not offer an excuse, but instead make an effort so that they do not miss the time for the tahajjud prayer. Hazrat Ali radiAllahu r.a. states that from that day on, he never missed the tahajjud prayer. The accounts from the life of Hazrat Ali radiAllahu r.a. will continue to be narrated,
1: inshaAllah.
2: The situation in Pakistan nowadays is getting worse and worse. Whilst following the Mulwis i.e., the religious clerics and conspiring with them, some government officials are making efforts to cause as much harm as possible. Therefore, pray especially in this regard, may Allah the Almighty protect the Ahmadis there who are living in Rabwa and in the other cities and protect them from the evil of these people. May Allah the Almighty safeguard them from the extremely perilous schemes and may he seize them swiftly. Now after the Friday prayer, I shall lead some funeral prayers in absentia and briefly speak about them. The first is of Commander chaudhry Muhammad Aslam Sahib who passed away on 2nd November 2020 Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun Verily to Allah we belong and to Him do we return. Commander Sahib was born in Gujarawala in 1929. There he passed his matriculation exams and attained the first position. He then completed his FSC from Talimul Islam College and FC Government College. And he completed his BSc from Government College, Lahore. He then had the honor of completing his MSC at the Punjab University under the tutelage of Dr. Abdul Salam. In 1948, he enlisted in the Furkan force and was appointed in Azad Kashmir where he was awarded with Mujahide Kashmir Certificate and the Azadiye Kashmir Medal. In
0: 1955,
2: the deceased enlisted in the Pakistan Navy where he served in key positions such as the Director of the Pakistan Naval Academy, Deputy President of Inter-Service Selection Board in the studies cohort and Deputy Director of Naval Educational Services at the Islamabad Naval Headquarters. The deceased also played a key and fundamental role in the educational sector by planning of opening new navy schools and colleges and also establishing the Bahriya University. After retiring from the Pakistan navy he moved to Canada and performed waqf arzi for a year at the Toronto Mission House. Thereafter, in 1993, he requested to dedicate himself after retirement, which was approved by Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV, and so his services to the Jamaat spanned over 28 years. In that period, the deceased had the opportunity to serve as Secretary Jaidat, Secretary Rishtanata, additional Secretary Mission House, and also assisted at the homeopathy clinic. The deceased was very humble and soft-spoken. He was extremely kind and loving to everyone. He was regular in offering his prayers and had a bond of love and devotion with the institution of Khilafat. After his retirement he strived to spend every moment in service to the Jamaat. For some time he was very unwell, but whenever his health would improve somewhat, he would immediately go to the mission house and he remained keen and diligent in serving his faith right until his last breath. He is survived by his wife and three sons, May Allah the Almighty grant the deceased his forgiveness and mercy and enable his children to continue his good deeds. His daughter-in-law Nusrat Jahan says that he was an extremely kind, compassionate and pious person. He fulfilled his work by devotion with utmost sincerity. He was the ideal husband and father and prior to his demise, he would continue advising his children that it is very important to maintain a relationship with the Jama'at and with Allah the Almighty and to remain regular in offering their prayers. And he himself was regular all his life in offering prayers and the Tahajid prayer. The second funeral is of Shahina Kamar Sahib, wife of Kamar Ahmad Shafiq Sahib, who is a driver for Nazarat uliya Shahina Qamar Saeedah and her son Samar Ahmed Qamar passed away on 12 November 2020 at 1.30 in the afternoon due to a road accident. Inna Lillahi wa Inna Rajiun. Verily, to Allah we belong, and to Him shall we return. The deceased was 38 years old at the time of her demise, and Samar Ahmed Qamar was 17 years old. Shahina Kamar Saiba leaves behind her husband, two daughters, a son and three brothers. Shahina Kamar Saiba's daughter says, My mother was a very pious woman and would always admonish me in doing good. She would always be the first in doing good deeds and would share everything with me. She was a very good friend to me. And she would always say that mashallah that she had a great passion for Jamaat work and she would tell me everything. Mashallah, another special characteristic she mentions is that she had a great passion for Jamaat work and that she was always prepared to render her services for the Jamaat despite the minimal level of education. Her husband also wrote that despite her minimal level of education, she managed the house in a great manner and raised her children wonderfully.
1: The next mention
2: is of Samar Ahmed Kamar Sahib, son of Kamar Ahmed Shafiq Sahib. He was with his mother and passed away with her in the accident. He was a student in the first year of a taleem islam College and by the grace of Allah the Almighty was doing well in his studies. He would serve in Khudam al duties with great zeal and passion and he was very active in his Jamaat work. Whenever a request was made by his in charge, he would leave whatever work he was doing immediately.
3: His father writes
2: that at times I will be on travels for three to four days at a time. But he would always say that father don't worry, I will take care of the house affairs. You can go ahead and do your duties. And this is how it was in reality. He was a very responsible young man. Samar Ahmed Kamar elder sister Samreen Saiba, says that my brother was very good mashallah. He would never get angry. If I ever told him of, he would never get angry or sad. In fact, he was very loving to children and to his siblings. His other brothers and sisters have written the same. May Allah the Almighty grant forgiveness and mercy to the deceased and grant patience and forbearance to all his family, the young children and their father as well, as he has lost his son and his wife.
1: The next funeral is of
2: Sayyidah Afzal Kokar Saiba, wife of Shaheed Muhammad Afzal Kokar Saib, and mother of Shaheed Ashraf Mahmood Kokar Saib. Her husband and her son were both martyred. She passed away on 12th September 2020 in Canada, Inna lillahi wa inna Ilaihi rajiun, Verily to Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. After the martyrdom of her husband and son, she had to face very difficult circumstances but she endured every difficulty with utmost patience and forbearance. She lived her life with great dignity and she never uttered a word in complaint. She fulfilled her responsibility in getting her three daughters married. A few years ago, she had to bear the sudden loss of another one of her young sons, Asif Mahmood Kokar and she displayed great patience and fortitude on that occasion as well. The deceased was very loving towards her friends and relatives. She was very hospitable and took care of the less fortunate. She had a bond of devotion, respect and love with Khilafat. She fully participated in Jamaat activities. Her entire life she continued to give charity on behalf of her parents, her martyred husband and son and other pious people. Her parents were Mirza Afzal Karim Sahib and Sughra Begum Sahib who were greatly devoted to Islam and Ahmadiyyat. She was the eldest sister of Mirza Mujib Ahmad Sahib and Mirza Fazlur Rahman Sahib of East London. She was the elder sister-in-law of Mubarak Kokar Sahib of Lahore and she was the elder aunt of Mubarak Siddiqui Sahib. By the grace of Allah the Almighty, she was a Musi and she is survived by a son Bilal Ahmad Kokar Sahib and three daughters Taiba Qureshi, Tahira Majid and Samina Kokar. May Allah the Almighty elevate her station Grant her His forgiveness and mercy, and enable the children to continue the good deeds of their mother.
0: Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Inamdu wa nastainu wa nastakhfiru wa naminu bihi wa ntaqalu alaih. ونعوذ بالله من شرور ومن سيئات أعمالنا الله فلا مضل له ومن we أن the رسول who الله the ones who are the ones who يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ اذْكُرُوا اللَّهَ اللَّهُ